the True Crime Podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys and welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host Veronica. And I'm your host Destiny. And before we get to the crimey stuff, I'm going to request that if you haven't yet rated or reviewed our show, like if you haven't helped us in any way as far as ratings go, could you? Please. That sounds aggressive. Help us in some way now, damn it. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Extra aggressive. <laughs> so if you if you go wherever you're listening to us right now, if you go and rate and reviewed our show, reviewed our show, um, in any way, you could leave us some stars. You could write some words. If you do, we'll shout you out on the podcast. We'll tell you how much we love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than we already do. I know that it's not like, oh, cool, they'll shout me out, but like... Could you please give us some stars? But it's so cool for us. Yes. And then if you also haven't and you like us and you want to connect with us or get like notifications about us or anything, um, please follow us on our social media platforms. Uh, we're the most always on, <laughs> you know, most always on Instagram, uh, but we do Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, all of those are Crime Wives Podcasts. And if there's any crimes you want to hear, which I have been getting requests directly to my text messages, and if you're like, keep it coming, yeah, you can text me if you want. You can email us if you want at crimewivespodcast at gmail.com. Um, or some way that you know us. If you want us to cover something, we will. I've literally been covering people's requests for the last three weeks. <laughs> you're so. like, this is great. And then lastly, we are currently saving to get some better mics because if you think that Destiny sounds too quiet and I sound too loud, it's because we have cheap mics. <laughs> and we're kind but, of sorry, but like... But like, deal with it. Deal with it. Until unless, we... <laughs> unless you will, please go donate to our podcast. Um, we have a link on our Instagram. It, you click that, goes directly to where you can donate to help us get better mics. And then the last part is, if you are new here and you don't like the next part, the next part is where we talk about ourselves. Uh, this week is going to be a two-parter, so you're going to hear about Destiny, and then you'll hear me talk... What? You'll hear me? You'll hear me. Yay, yikes. And then you will hear me talk about some real intense crime stuff. So just fast forward now, and then we'll see you later. Wait, we won't see you. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. So <laughs> talk directly in your ear balls <laughs> no not a thing uh, <laughs> okay okay well that's it for me with that being said what are you doing this week so this week i i mean i had another doctor's appointment today which was great baby's going great she's just getting bigger mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i had my glucose test and then so it's like that sugar drink Ugh, which i, I think it. you're the one that told me it was like awful uh-huh um, and then I drank it, and I was like, I thought this was going to be so much worse. Oh, that's good. So yeah. I was actually pleased that it wasn't as disgusting as I thought. I remember it, kind of, it being, like, almost Sprite. Like, yeah. almost. It's like a Pedialyte version of Sprite. Oh, like, it's yeah, thick, yeah. it's sugary, <laughs> yeah. it's too much, but but I can notice with her, she's just moving around now. Uh -huh. She's like, blah, 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 and I'm like, okay, good chill. Good morning. Hello. Uh -huh. I feel you, but okay. But also, we're both sharing this body. <laughs> yeah, we're like, like, chill. Calm down. <laughs> but also, do your thing. Uh -huh. um, so that was all good. And my test obviously just came back like a couple months ago, and we're all good. So yeah, yeah. happy, happy. Um, other than that, I'm hanging out with some friends tomorrow, maybe you included, yes. depending on 
what your plan is. Who knows? Um, my brother has an, his engagement party, so Ooh, he proposed. He yeah, so he. Proposed. I remember when we were like, "Is it gonna happen?" Oh, I don't even know if I ever did. No, I ever say it did? No, you know, you didn't say it on here. I you like just said hinted at that. Some big news, but then, but then you didn't say anything about it, and then you announced you were pregnant. <laughs> so I said, "There's big news in my family," and I and think that was before I knew that I was pregnant. It wasn't your brother proposed, <laughs> but it was my brother. My brother proposed to his girlfriend, like. Five months ago. Yeah, it was way okay. four or five months ago. Cool. Well, you never told me. I it was right know. around when I found out I was pregnant. Oh, so I was cool, also cool. like, I think it was like a week before mm-hmm. I found out I was like, I maybe found. you had already told me you were pregnant, but it was other news, and I knew you were pregnant, but I knew we weren't saying it on here. You were just like, "There's some news that we're gonna talk about," and then we literally never talked about it, and then you announced you were pregnant, like. Four months later. Sorry, brother. And also, sorry, fans. <laughs> yeah. Also, my brother got engaged. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he proposed to his girlfriend. So, his engagement parties this weekend. Um, and, yeah. So, nice. nice. I mean, just hanging out, doing our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not well. much. I mean, it's not too crazy. We're just I mean, kind of. I'm, I am at that point where I'm like, oh, 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 I need to get my life together. Yeah. So, but then I think about my wedding, and I'm like, okay, you're good under pressure. (laughs) Um, But then again, I'm also like, Alex, we need to do all this stuff. And he's like, we're going to do it. And then so we're sitting here talking about how we need to do all this stuff for, like, the nursery and all this. And then we're like, so we're going to do yard work this weekend? (laughs) And it's like, bah! There's, like, so many things. But also, like, you got to do yard work. Yeah. You got, I mean, you got some time for yard work. I do like that whenever I got here, you asked if they, if, quote, they tell you what to do with the baby when you get home with it. And I was like, who's they? And I was like, I don't, the hospital? I don't know. And so, uh, because my friends was, she was talking to me about some very sad things and it got me into a paranoia. Mm -hmm. And so now I like, I don't know if you noticed, but I had three books sitting out. I did. On my front table because I pulled them out yesterday and I was like, I'm stressed out. Read. And then I started reading and I was like, oh, now I know I need to do so much more. (laughs) Now I'm more stressed out. So that's my emotions. Well, good. I mean, it, again, it just means things are happening with you that happens with every pregnant person. So it's going well regardless of how it feels i like how anybody that listens is like i either get i get the wedding wedding talk talk or baby talk sorry dudes yeah oh that reminds me somebody sent me a clip of or like a screenshot of one of our episodes i don't even know what episode it's like three episodes ago it might have been the francis dude francis was on his name i can't vincent vincent there we go okay sean vincent gillis there we go okay (laughs) that episode I made a noise that it literally, he sent me a screenshot and goes, I think that there's, I don't know what I'm hearing, but it sounds like there's three people in the room. And of course I'm like, that's crazy. I don't want to. And I was like, creeped out. It's my own self. It's so if you are you doing like a weird, she does other voices (laughs) and sometimes, and sometimes she'll like awkwardly whisper. Yes. She'll be like, okay. And and when you're editing, are you like, okay, I'm like, Ronica, people might not understand you, A, but they also (laughs) might not hear you. Like. I don't give a fuck concerning. if you don't understand me, but it's my own. I can hear, I like somehow, so I'm only bringing this up in case you're ever listening to our podcast and you're like, what the hell was that? I 
you're talking and I'm like reacting and I'm like, oh, like in the background you hear me go, Ugh. and then I'm like, yeah, and I make a noise and talk. <laughs> but it doesn't time. like go together and but they're it's, like. It's a noise that I am familiar with making myself. You're like, that was definitely my body, so. <laughs> yeah, so. Well. Sorry for those of you who heard weird noises. Heard? Who heard weird noises? Who heard? <laughs> yeah, but, sorry. Yes, there's always only two of us. <laughs> yeah. So. And sometimes there's a cat, but she's quiet yeah so if you ever hear like a man yeah honestly anything still might come up yep might it's still, still be me something still might be happening but <laughs> yeah. thanks for your concern yes. we appreciate it we do we do we'd like yeah. to know if we're being haunted yeah which by this time by i'm surprised we're not yeah oh don't say <laughs> not it. Just say. <laughs> oh, stop it. i don't like it i don't like it Something just drops behind you. We're like, okay, this podcast is over. It See you me. never. <laughs> See you never. <laughs> okay, so what case are you covering this week? That was so beautiful. Thank you. Okay. I almost started laughing because I looked up and you were looking at me very <laughs> quick. had a big grin on Creeper. I can't speak. For, <laughs> freaked me out. For anyone that doesn't know, I brought up to Destiny that we say... So what are you doing this week? Which is what we ask each other when we're talking about our weeks. But then we'd also go, so what are you doing this week about our cases? We're very repetitive. So I was like, we should that. make it a point. Well, Destiny's real good at it. And then I smiled awkwardly at her and ruined it. I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Look away, look away. I'm sorry. So, what okay. case? So I am doing Edward Wayne Edwards. And holy shit. Holy Edwards. Yeah, lots of Edwards. Um... I <laughs> you're like I'm lost for words already. I literally Can't do it. speechless. <laughs> so first, I'll name my sources. <laughs> um, I listened to. Oh, well, first of all, again, she. I don't think she's like up to date, but I have a friend who always is recommending the cases we've been covering. Um, which thanks, Cameron. <laughs> yes, we appreciate always, it. Like we've done it, and they've been really good. But this is the biggest for sure case um, that I've ever taken on. Uh. So it's going to be wild. But uh, my sources are the podcast, The Clearing, which I got, I'm so thankful I found that because holy man, there's so much. They also did an episode of this on My Favorite Murder. So I they did a live show on it. So I tried to listen to it, but it's like mostly jokes. Karen did it. I fucking love Karen. <laughs> but um, it was a live show. So it wasn't like, here's a bunch of information. It, it was like jokes and stuff. So it was kind of hard for me to keep up with. So yeah. I listened to part of it, but love forever wikipedia murderpedia and wordpress Alrighty. So, and uh the wordpress article i couldn't find the author so it's just on wordpress if you look up edward wayne edwards it was like the main one that came up so okay <laughs> again i think i like i, I wrote a script this is a 1000 percent the craziest serial killer i've ever heard of um not necessarily because of his killings but because of who he is as a person Okay. He's the, um, I mean, he's, he's up, he, I, yeah, I don't even know. So, okay. It's just insane. So I'm going to, I'm going to get into the most condensed version of this story. I'm ready for it. But in the podcast, The Clearing, I, they put most of his, like, his convictions in the first four episodes, which I had listened to last night. And then I had already written everything. And then I listened to a little bit more today. So I'm going to have a little bit of back stuff that's probably not on here, but that is going to feel like I just need to put some snippets in. So, A, if you get confused, let me know. I definitely will. Yeah. But also, 
there is so much more to this person than what I was able to put in five pages of information. So, <laughs> first off, a Ain. Oh, man. <laughs> off to an awful start. Okay, Edward Wayne Edwards. Sometimes most, some, a lot of his friends called him Wayne Edwards. Gets confusing. Um, but most people that write about him or, like, investigate him refer to him as Ed Edwards. So that's what I refer to him as. However, he was actually born, according to his autobiography, as Charles Murray in Akron, Akron? Akron, Ohio. In 1933, however, there is also an assumption, an assumption, that's not right. There's a place that says he was um, most likely born Charles Edward Myers. Okay. So, he was... Goes by a couple names. Mm -hmm. Has a few aliases. Has a few... (laughs) Yep. Just a few. As of right now. As of right now, he already has three aliases. So, um, and that this also says that there's a chance he might have also been born May 30th, 1928, which is like a few years off of wherever yeah, he's About says. five years different. So, like, who knows how old he actually was. But as you can already see, it's going to be a lot of conflicting information because as his history is told over the years by, like, a bajillion of people, um, it becomes painfully clear that his, there's, like, he laid down lies as he went on on purpose. He mm-hmm. would tell multiple stories so that you didn't know which one was true. Gotcha. That's what I've come to realize. Or he would tell the same story and like tweak it just enough that you were like, which one's true? Yeah. It's crazy. Just, I don't I don't know I don't know what to believe. Yes. So there's a lot of conflicting information, but because he wanted it that way. So and he pretended like it was because he had a spotty memory or something. But no, 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 no. It was not none of it was it was all on purpose. Yeah, manipulation. Yes. So, very depressing, first thing, when he was around five years old, he witnessed his mother commit suicide. Oh. So, um, or complete suicide, depending upon what you prefer to call it. Um, he, it was heavy, obviously very dark. After his mother's death, he was sent to an orphanage in Parma, Ohio, where he later writes that he was um, severely, and this is where he writes again in his autobiography, um, that he was severely abused both mentally and physically in that orphanage and um, he eventually will attribute a lot of the reason the way he is that way because of what happened to him in the orphanage, which is probably super true. Um, and I absolutely won't argue with that. Okay. Um, I know that I, I've already started to say this, but I did put this here. I know I always say this sort of thing, but it needs to be especially stressed that there is almost too much on this man to condense into one episode. The podcast I listened to had eight episodes. <laughs> That's so, wild. Yeah. So, and every single one of them, I'm just like, it's so gripping. It's so full of it, so, information. It's new and you, and, or it like breaks apart one thing that I'm going to mention here one time and then they'll have a whole episode about it, and I'm just like, I wish I could say this. Yeah. So, very condensed, but if at all, if you like anything that I'm about to talk about, if you're like, oh, this is really interesting, listen to The Clearing. It's so good. It's just, it's so well done. And at first I was like, this guy's voice is too monotone, and he sounds depressed. And then an hour into it, I was like, I love this man. We're going to get married. (laughs) So, (laughs) because he's a really good journalist. So, also, I have a friend, Christy, who's always, like, recommending me stuff, and um, I know she's going to listen to this. Go listen to The Clearing. Thank you. Moving on. What I'm also going to say now is that Ed Edwards, 
I'm gonna like put it up here first so that we can get to it. He confessed to five murders before his death. However, since his confessions and convictions, there have been tons of speculated crimes and tons of media-like coverage that has tried to tie him in or believe he's involved in some other way to other murders in the areas that he's been to, which is everywhere. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to cover the ones that he was put in jail for. Okay. Okay. Ready right. for it. Okay. So, in 1948, when he was 15, he was sent to a reform school in Pennsylvania, which he is basically juvie, than what I've concluded. Um, eventually, he was allowed to get out of juvie detention with an offer to join the U.S. Marines in 1950. However, he basically, he went AWOL, um, which he, I don't know if anyone else calls it A-W-O-L or if the proper way is, but in any recording, he's always saying A-W-O-L. And I'm like, oh. I always thought it was, like, he AWOL. says, yeah, he always says, A-W, he went A-W-O-L. I'm like, ah, stop saying it. That way. <laughs> You're like, it's AWOL. Yeah, so he went AWOL. I understand it's an acronym, but still. Um, basically, he goes AWOL right away um, and then was later discharged or dishonorably discharged for stealing a car. So that was short-lived experience for him. But um, basically from there, he just goes off on, like, just that was him in crime. Now his that. His life is crime from there on out. And um, and his own claims, he says that he spent his 20s just going all over the country, committing burglaries, forging checks, having sex. Forging checks, having sex. Forging checks I, and having sex. I wrote it and didn't read it out loud, and uh, well, that's a fun one. Forging checks, having sex. So he did that. Um, along with, like, he was in his 20s. He did, there's so, he was all over the U.S. Like, he was in so many places. I'm just going to say that part now. In a direct quote from Wikipedia, he wrote that he never disguised himself um, or, like, his appearance whenever he was doing crimes because he wanted to be famous. Oh, yay, one of those. So that's not obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, one of those. So eventually um, he's arrested yet again and transferred to all of these different prisons um, because of the book. The places he was committing, like, these burglaries or robberies, they'd be like, well, that guy is over here, so now he needs to go to take, do his time at this jail. And yeah. He's, so he's getting transferred all over the place. However, um, one of the – he's eventually transferred to Portland, Oregon. I oh, swear wow. they – all the craziest ones end up in Oregon at some point. Unfortunately. Yes. And um, so he had to go to Oregon, and he's still in his 20s, to stand trial for um, yet another robbery. However, once he's there, he gets sentenced to another five years and then is transferred and imprisoned in Leavenworth. However, I'm going to say this here because I don't go on to say this anywhere else. In Portland, he did so many bad things that I'm not mentioning here. So just... I, I might bring them back up, but just know that I wrote. So he goes to Portland. He does some bad stuff. He gets sentenced five years. Moving like on. light crime or like. Oh, I thought it was light crime, and I learned otherwise. Okay, so I'll bring that back up later. Okay, so now he goes to Leavenworth. While he's at Leavenworth, oh, also some point in there he got married and divorced. <laughs> okay, saying that so he had a short little little tiny marriage in there. Then he goes to Leavenworth. At Leavenworth, he claims um, that he meets a guard who basically helps him reform into a changed man, which good I gotta for him. love when 
they're changed men. Yes, and because he is so, quote, reformed, he miraculously, that was about to come out bad, um, gets paroled from there. Okay. So he's done. I I know that I haven't gone in detail about the lot of bad things that he, but he should not have been paroled. That's all I'm saying. Um, also, I left this out before, but because of all the robberies he'd previously placed, um, he was now at the top, or while he was, before he was jailed, he was at the top 10 America's Most Wanted list. Like, that's where he was at as far okay. as not doing well, or doing bad things. Um, but again, he's perform- reformed, and now he's on probation. So, or whatever. <laughs> like, okay. So... Now he's out, he meets a lady named Marlene, um, he gets married, starts having children, and this is when, um, actually no, Marlene was the first wife, my apologies. He meets a woman named Kay. Kay is his second wife, who he has children with, who he stays married to, um, so they start having kids. This is when he decides that he's going to write a book about himself, um, and become motivational speaker oh is this the autobiography that you yes stated okay so he's writing about himself and in it he he basically depicts all the things he did in his 20s like for example he used to pull the fire alarm at big places that would cops would come drive you know the whole whole brigade would be there to save yeah. the day just because he liked to see get a little bit of attention like he got he got arrested for doing that multiple times prior to this so jesus he's writing about the well burglary. it sounds like he just wants attention he just wants attention he's he's writing about his life as a criminal and that book is called the metamorphosis of a criminal the true life story of ed edwards so like he just you know so he had yeah he's met his wife Kay. they start having kids he's doing he's being this upstanding citizen we'll mm-hmm. call him um, and because everyone is, I'm assuming, so pleased with how he's doing, um, he ends up going on two TV shows in 1972. Oh, wow. And this was a crazy part to, like, of, bo- of all the cases, of all the things. Um, one of the shows is called To Tell the Truth. On this show, they line up three dudes, and, um, I mean, it's there's a, there's a Google picture of it. It is the most old-fashioned looking 70s thing you've seen not that the 70s is old-fashioned but it's just three dudes like on a stage they're all it reminds me of uh, the Rodney Akala uh-huh like it's similar it's super similar to the dating game so what this one is is to tell the truth is what it's called and um the theme of this of this specific episode not every episode is like this but you have to basically pick out there's three people there's two that are fake and there's one that's real and it's, it's like the two truths and a lie. Yeah. So to tell the truth. So um, the these two on this one or whatever, it's which one used to be a convicted criminal. I don't know who thought that was a good idea to bring a convicted criminal. <laughs> yeah. But, but I guess, you know, if you don't know that much about him, maybe it's just somebody who just went to jail one time. Fine. I listened to a recording and um, of the questions being asked and answered, and he's like, He's, like, openly honest about a lot of things that I was like, ooh. <laughs> There's, like, an audience who doesn't this really is, care. This is a thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's very casual about his answers. And the there's, like, number one, number two, number three. He's number three. Number two, not believable at all. You can tell he's, like, acting. And the lady was like, oh, yeah, I definitely didn't pick number two because he's not believable. Um, 
and he's talking about different crimes he's done and she asks like about his age and when he was doing this and in my opinion he sounds very smug and proud of himself when he's talking about these things but he also somehow also sounds casual it's weird um and then to absolutely no shock um he's the one that gets picked out of them she's like i'm pretty sure that guy used to be a criminal um, but everyone is like proud of him because he's a reformed criminal. Yeah. And so that's they're what, like he was. Yeah. He's like until I wrote this book about myself. But now he's great. Until I got paroled for five years <laughs> instead of should have been in jail forever. And that's the end. Just kidding. <laughs> like okay, well, yeah. uh, crime wipes out. Um, that would have been the like a good way. Like that's how I think he thought it was gonna go. Like, yeah. I don't know actually. Okay. In 1974, he buys a house with his wife and is still just going around showing off how good of a person he is, kind of just not necessarily showing off, but, like, inserting himself into the community, Mm -hmm. even with the cops. Like, he's chummy with the cops, which is, duh, that's how it always goes. However, one night, um, he and his family and him come home to his house, burning down. Like, okay. I don't necessarily know where they were at or what, but he tells his family that he believes, and that's, like, they come home, I think they drive up to the house and it's, like, un fuego, and they're like, oh, no. Um, and I think as they're leaving, this is kind of when he, like, looks at his wife and is like, okay, I think someone from my past is trying to, like, make, send me a message. They know that I got paroled, they know that I'm not, I should be in jail, or they're mad at me. Also, I used to be an informant. And he, like, blurs all of this out. She's like, so, and he's like, oh, my oh my gosh, yeah, we do got to get out of here. So. Yeah, like, let's go hide. Okay. Yeah. And essentially after that, they kind of go on the run. Um, they end up moving states pretty much every few months after oh, wow. he's, like, open with her. And so um, there's that part of the story. Now we're going to jump forward to 1982. And this is not his story, but this is a different story. Um, it's in Jefferson, Wisconsin, when a couple, um, the man's name is Tim Hack, and he was 19, and the girl's name was Kelly Drew, um, she was also 19. They were at a, um, this, it's called the Concord House in Jefferson, and it was, from what I understand, I'm gonna say this, if I'm wrong, you can tell me later, that's fine, um, it sounds like it was like a big, like, hall where they had events okay and he was um or they were there for um a reception okay i don't know i don't know exactly what they were there for but it was just a reception there was a bunch of people there um so the couple were there they were high school sweethearts they left together and um they i don't necessarily i don't know if they like tell anybody they're leaving or they say they say bye they leave and uh they leave. Tim's car is later found still in the parking lot, and a few days after that, um, they realize that, like, th- they leave and they're just like ne- nobody never seen them again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why I didn't put that here. I just like went to the next part. Anyways, they leave. The next day, people are trying to find them. The dad goes over to back to the Concord house and is like, uh, "His car's here," and so. I think I'm going to, I believe it was within the same day, they go to the police. Mm -hmm. Hi, I can't find my son. And then Kelly's parents are like, we can't find our daughter. Things are not right. So they go there, cars found. Within, I don't know if, I don't know how long it is, but within, um, I think the next few days, they start finding Kelly's clothing, like strewn about the the country areas, what it said, but there are, 
kind of already in the country. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's just everywhere. So they start finding pieces of her clothing, and obviously they, something's not right. So police start to investigate, um, essentially starting with everyone who was at the facility during the time of the reception. Yeah. And um, they start doing interviews, and when they start interviewing everyone who was at the facility, um, the reception again is called the Concord House so they're just basically anyone who was there can we get information for you from you unfortunately nothing was recovered from the interviews um, and about two months goes by and then suddenly their bodies are recovered so they are found that they um, were murdered Tim had been stabbed and Kelly had been strangled the case that's when they decided to give the case the sweetheart murders because Aww. I know <laughs> so that's what they're called um, and unfortunately, the case remained cold for decades. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, however, 10 years later, police were given the opportunity to reopen, I believe it was five cold cases in the area that the bodies were found, like that department. And the sweetheart murders are among those cases. So they start with Kelly's clothes that had been found um, way back when, and uh, they are finally able to do DNA tests because 10 years later they finally have DNA tests as an option. So they uh, they send her clothes in for DNA and see if they can find a match to anyone. While they're waiting for it to come back, um, they, they decide to kind of put like a, a broadcast out, like a news, they do a news segment on it. Like, hey, then, we're reopening this case. Mm-hmm. And they put stuff in the newspapers to ask anyone who knows anything about the events from that specific night at the Concord House to come forward with information. So now the reason I did this side story is to get where the main podcast I listened to, uh, again, The Clearing, kind of starts off. And so I did the backstory, and then this is kind of where it starts off with um, there's a woman, a 50-year-old mother named April Bellaccio. I think it's how her name is pronounced, is reading the paper one day and she sees an article about the Concord House. And basically from that article, suddenly, like her childhood, kept, like, yeah, like just, memory strikes. Yes. And she's like, whoa. And a lot of uh, memories start coming back to her and she believes her dad, the handyman at the Concord House, at the time has something to do with the murders. Oh, shit. Like as she, and I think what it sounds like to me is, and I, I probably wrote, this somewhere and I might repeat myself but it's like all these weird things happen in their childhood and their dad is really good at explaining it away and or like again telling three different versions of one lie and so you don't really know which one's the truth or not and so yeah I was gonna say your parent has to be a shady motherfucker for yeah. you to be like you know they might have been involved in killing people exactly like and I could never even imagine thinking something like that she of my says mother. that too and I think truly I think she might have always had like these gut feelings and then as she became like a level-minded adult she had guilt that like sat with her and she it didn't sit with her well and she yeah. was like fuck this I'm going to the police and that's pretty much what she does so and I was just like Oh my god, I was so moved. Um, of course, her dad was obviously Ed Edwards. Gotcha. <laughs> Put that here because I said her dad might <laughs> Good be Good to clarify. <laughs> so I said that. Um, now, the reason that April is so suspicious, which, okay, maybe I just went right into this, um, with a lot of other weird things that her dad did when she was a child, she vividly remembers in this specific case Two days after the sweetheart couple went missing, her dad woke up the whole family in the middle of the night and moved them to Pennsylvania. 
oh. I was like, we gotta go. The people that have been finding me or the... They're coming for me people again. People that burned our house down, remember them? I'm sure they're here. They know where I am. We gotta go. Oh, Jesus. Or we don't want them to know where I am. We gotta go. And nobody asked questions. I heard they're in town. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. So I'm sure he probably, like set himself up way before he randomly moved them over and over and was like, every two months we're going to move because I don't want them to find me, as opposed to going to the authorities and saying, I think someone's following me. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so from here, I'm basically just going to get into the weird things that happened in her childhood that could be explained as, man, my dad sure is weird. Um, but <laughs> the, My dad is weird segment of our story. <laughs> yes. Um, but as I, I basically said that she, I think she became an adult and was like this is not sitting well with me these yeah. memories are scaring me a plus b plus c plus c plus everything is adding up and <laughs> equals guy. my dad killed people yeah my dad's a loony yeah so it only took her until she was 50 but you know what she did it i'm hey, proud of her better late I, than never i'm very proud of this lady so during her childhood she has four other siblings one who is off at college now or at the time um of this situation and um, as well as a childhood friend who actually ends up being, like, fostered into the home, and his name is Danny Glockner. Um, they even mention on the My Favorite Murder episode that Ed tried to adopt Danny, and this is also mentioned in the clearing, and pretty much it, it doesn't, it kind of says it on Wikipedia, but um, he tried to adopt him, but uh, the judge wouldn't allow it because uh, Danny was an adult by that point. <laughs> he was like, interesting. Yeah, so like he he knew them. He was with their family basically from when they were in high school all the way up to him being an adult. Um, and so when he tried to go uh, adopt him, which I this guy had so many motives in life. I now, as I'm reading this and have learned more about him, I think there was a motive for him even trying to adopt him. Oh, probably I'm say that now. But the it's judge, not that he's a good person, so no, there's probably something malicious not. behind it. Yeah, so, um, but the judge did allow Danny to change his name, and he changed his name to, legally, from what I understand, to Danny Boy Edwards. Danny Boy. That's what, that's what Ed Edwards called him, okay. Danny Boy. So, awful name, but moving on. <laughs> uh, so, Danny enrolls in the Army, which I think this was with... Uh, kind of like a push from Ed mm -hmm. after like his daughter had moved away they're all like older like as soon as his daughter turned 18 she was like bye got see out you of later yeah so and then her other his other kids had started to move away and stuff too so um she, he gets Danny to try and enroll in the army uh Danny decides we'll say last minute that he's unsure um and then his pseudo father um basically was like, well, I went AWOL, and I know how to go AWOL. I know that after you go AWOL, um, you'll get some sort of, you have to be there in a certain amount of time, but after you go AWOL, then they'll let you just leave or whatever. There's some reason behind that he feeds to Danny as yeah. to why you need to stay, but then you can But But then you can just do it. Yes. So Danny goes AWOL. Um, after that, he goes missing entirely. What? Yes. So because Danny was basically now like, Ed Edwards' son, of course, he's, like, obsessed with the fact that Danny goes missing and that no one can find him, and he's, like, he's going to the authorities and was, like, I love that boy, like, he's my own. I'm not going to rest until he's found. He even, like, calls people that he was in basic training with and was, like, tell me what you know, why he's just gone. Um, well, a year later, Danny's body is found in a forest, 
Um, he'd been shot in the back of his head twice. However, um, the case remained cold, and they could not find how or who killed Danny. Holy. Okay. Yeah, so just that's one of the sad stories that happened to his foster child. Okay. So that was basically a story within a story, which is kind of what I think I'll do a few times. And it's only because um, they'll all come together in the end. Okay. <laughs> and in this case, the story about Danny is because when April finds out that article about the sweetheart murders, she goes to her siblings to basically discuss everything. And they're, they all kind of like come together and we're like, yep, it was very suspicious that night. And that's kind of when a lot of stuff comes out they're all like they all just put their puzzle pieces together they all put their puzzle pieces together but it also sounds like april forgot a lot of stuff and her brothers remembered a lot of stuff but her brothers were like we'll be quiet yeah (laughs) so they get to talking essentially and they're they're, that's when they were all talking about danny that night and that's why i brought up the story about danny and how crazy it was that he disappeared um and then they also start talking about other details of their childhood like the multiple fires she remembered at first the one fire and then Mm -hmm. they actually their houses burned down three different times oh wow and so and they were always moving and then there was the one time when mom was in the hospital and april had been so young that for from what i understood she didn't remember a lot about it um and then that's when her brother was like uh yeah that's don't you remember it's because dad had stabbed mom what (laughs) And she, yeah, literally the next part I put was April was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) So he essentially is like, yeah, dad came home uh, that one day and wanted to like eat a bag of potato chips, but the bag was half eaten and he was pissed. And of course the mom, what I'm going to assume, the kids had eaten part of the there was still some left, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it was a half <laughs> but the, bag. Yeah, the kids had eaten part of it, and I'm going to assume the mom was trying to defend the children about it. And then he just stabbed his wife. Jesus. Yeah, so I'm assuming he gets pissed, stabbed his wife over potato chips. Let's just put that here again. Red flag. Yeah. Well, due to this large family discussion and all the things uh, being, like, pieced back together for April, she realizes that not only um, is her childhood a big weird, clearly lie, mm-hmm. um, but that her dad might be, like, the worst in, like, the history of ever. Worst so, dad. Worst yeah. dad ever. Worst dad ever. So, um, because of all this, she decides to go to the police with what conflicting information she does have. Um and because she was only 11 at the time of the sweetheart murders she said she like she didn't remember a lot but she did actually have vivid memories of that night specifically that her dad had come home ed had come home um with cuts on his face and a black eye and um he told she remembers that when he came home the night of the sweetheart murders um he said that he had been in a fight and she was like, okay, that's crazy. And apparently the mom was just like, it's fine, don't stab me. I don't know. Yeah, like, <laughs> like very passive, probably. Yeah. Uh, she remembers, though, April remembers that I am assuming the police came to the house to, mm-hmm. like, investigate every or um, interview everyone that was there. And she remembers that he told the police that it was from an, a hunting accident. And even at 11 years old, she's like, huh. Odd. This is weird. It's not what he told us. Conflicting and he also stories. doesn't hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so, which he didn't. So, uh, also was felon in 
possession of a firearm not a thing then? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. So, so. Uh, anyways, he's out hunting is what he says. That's not the truth. So when she presents all of this to the police, one specific investigator whose name I didn't write down. There's another person whose name I didn't write down. I don't know why I did this. But the main investigator on the case, you'll hear if you listen or look this up, he's mentioned. Um, he decides to take her statements from that night and then to look at his statements from that night. And um, he also decides to, he says, and then I just went on Amazon and I ordered the Ed Edwards book. <laughs> so oh, okay. he gets the book and reads the book and that's just kind of all the info that they need to conclude that she does, she, like her story adds up. Yeah. So they we're going to kind of fast forward a little bit more because a few months later, I don't know if it's a few months or how much time goes by, but they get a warrant, a warrant and they, they get a warrant and they go um, to his home in Louisville, Kentucky. He is now very old, very overweight, very, very weird looking. Like he looks like a decompressed human. Like uh-huh. someone just like sat Play-Doh on what was supposed to be a human. It was like just this like... big, yeah. Kind of oozed out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ugh. And he's got, like, tubes in his... In, yeah. yeah. Compared okay. to the younger pictures of him, where he was somebody that you could... You probably... Like, he still looked evil to me. Yeah. Um, But, like, really, like, handsome. Yeah. Like, yeah. evil handsome. So, and now he's old and um, has tubes in his ears and, yes... And no longer handsome. Not handsome at all. Um, And so, they're at his house in Kentucky. When they initially meet with Ed, um, they don't tell him exactly what they're there for necessarily. Like, they don't give him. And there's, this is when, um, I think this is around the same time that the uh, podcast had came in. So, from this point out, anytime I, like, talk about most of the, A, Ed recorded himself doing everything. Like, he recorded himself in the waiting room for when his daughter was going to get born, which seems sweet if you're not, and he's like, I'm just out here waiting for you to get born. And I don't, he just loved recording himself. So in this podcast, there's a shit ton of him just talking. Oh, like clips. Uh-huh. Because he recorded, he recorded phone calls. He recorded things just that he was doing. Narcissist. Tons of videos. Yeah. Well, narcissist, but also to like, as a front, eventually it's clear that he's like, recording himself like see I have record this is what was really going on what do you mean I have a recording and this is where I was and this is what I was doing obviously right which is a recording sense to me makes it more ironic that like his undoing is all recorded too because this podcast is like a part of it yeah so and they I don't I don't know that they were there I just know that they had a bunch of um video or recording tapes or whatever recording clips yes um, so they're recording this entire conversation with him. You can hear them walk into his trailer. You can hear the screen door shut. You can hear his wife coughing in the background. Same wife, by the way. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So they get there and they don't tell him what they're there for necessarily. They just say, we, um, we, I don't think, I don't think they say that they got DNA off of her at first, off of Kelly's, from the Sweetheart murders. Mm -hmm. Now that they have the DNA and they've done the DNA testing, I don't think that they tell him that. But at first, it's like super laid back conversation. Like it's just some dudes asking, yeah, this, you're just one of the people that was there, that we know was there and you knew the Concord house very well. So we just want to get information from you. 
and it's very casual and they kind of ask what he knows about the night and the day and or that day and all the people and he's like they're asking about the couple Mm -hmm. and multiple times they say did you know them and he's like first he's like no no i had no idea who they were and they were just there everyone was there yeah and by the end of the conversation he kind of acknowledges that he might remember them um but he doesn't really have anything else to say about it. And it's at this point in the conversation that the main investigator tells him basically, well, as it turns out, we recently found DNA tied to the case. And we're trying to eliminate every single person that could have been there that night. Can we please get your DNA? And that's when he's basically like, he gets quiet. And he's like, I don't know about that. I don't think, I don't know how I feel about that. And he, like, says it, and then in an even quieter voice, you can hear his wife say, well, if you're not guilty, just give it to him. And the way that she says it, it's like years and years of being with this crazy person and knowing it. In that one little statement, you can hardly hear it in the background. Yeah. But just the way she says it, it's, like, almost accusatory. Yeah. Like, well, well, just do it. It's almost like she was waiting for this moment, too. Yeah, for the ball to drop, and she's like... I fucking knew it. Yes, and she stays quiet, and she doesn't get, she just, she's just like, well, if you're not guilty, just give them your DNA. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And thankfully, that's when the police tell him, well, we came here today with a warrant because we, just in case you said no, um, we still need to get your DNA. And the entire time there's been, uh, like, a lab technician out in the car waiting to get his DNA, so... I love how dramatic this I all know. seems. It's so, and I, it, it happened so early on in the podcast that I didn't even understand how important this was to the yeah. story. And so then afterwards, when they go into it a little bit more, I'm like, oh my gosh, they did that so good. And then, so they bring in, and it's just the police. The police are just so good at just being dramatic. I love it. They get his DNA that day. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that much. So. They get his DNA. Well, three weeks later, April gets a call from the main investigator on the Sweetheart murders that her father's DNA was a match. And that the semen sample found on Kelly's clothes all those years ago were for, from Ed Edwards. Yes. Thought. But like, awful, but yes, like, but thank like, God they found it. Like, okay, so there's two. <laughs> there's two. On July 31st, 2009, Edwards was arrested. Um... And this is on the murder charge um, in Louisville, Kentucky. However, we're not done. (laughs) So, while Ed Edwards was in custody, he realizes that Wisconsin... And now, I might have this a little bit backwards, so I'm going to say it how I believe it goes. He realizes that Wisconsin doesn't have the death penalty for some crazy-ass reason. He decides he wants the death penalty. I don't know what it is, but I'm like... some people just... Yeah. They're like, okay, well, let's, he's probably like, I'm too good for this place. I need to get out of here. So, um, and also there's a part, and I didn't mention this, that when he was in Portland before, mm-hmm. he technically broke out of prison too. But really what it was is he had a friend call in and say, hey, can I go out front and can Ed come out front and like talk to me about something? And he like picked him up and drove away. Like there's so many random ass details. And that's when he was younger. So... I truly think he was just always trying to get out of jail. Yeah. And I think he hated being in jail, and so he wanted the death penalty now that he knew that he was going to be in jail for murder. So he writes a letter to Ohio and says, I have some information that you're really going to want to hear, and it's about 
potentially another murder. Or so he implies. I don't know if he says it in the... Yeah. But um, he's like, come up here and we'll have a little chat. So they do. (laughs) And um, when Ohio police come, there's a recording of this as well, which there's so many recordings of it. It's great and awful. You're like, let me hear it all. Yeah. So, oh my God. Oh, I heard it all and then I heard too much. And I was like, it was a whole... I'll I'll get into that one after this though. But, okay. So they come. He's in... um, He is in jail. And they come, and they're like, what do you want to tell us? And he's kind of bullshitting them, too. It takes him, like, an hour of talking to him before he's finally like, there's these people named Billy LaCavo and Judy Straub, um, and they were murdered in Ohio in 1977. And maybe I'm the one who did it. Maybe. (laughs) Just maybe. Probably I am. But I think it was me. Yeah, but it for sure was me. Yeah. (laughs) And in this interview, he tells the police the motive that he had um, is that he'd witnessed Billy on a few separate occasions. Billy was, like, kind of another one of the friends that was involved with the family over at the house a lot. And he says the reason that he murdered them was because he had witnessed Billy on a few separate occasions um, inappropriately touching his young daughter. Oh. In the podcast, The Clearing, this part, like, it pauses. It says, he's saying... I had seen him touch my daughter inappropriately. And then it, like, you hear a clip break, and then you hear April start talking. And it's a whole different recording. And she said, I had no idea my dad knew about that. So, oh, my God. It wasn't a lie. It wasn't. And so then he goes on to explain the situation that one time they were home, and there was, like, kind of a party situation. And Billy had taken her upstairs, and he... He's like, what are they doing up there? And he called out for her, and then he, like, goes up, and as he goes up, he can kind of see it, but then, like, he makes himself known, and they, like, act like nothing was wrong. And she basically says that um, she didn't tell anybody because she was ashamed, is what it comes down to. She was, like, embarrassed. Her dad was already crazy as it was. She was not trying to... When the police ask him more about these murders... Um, and more for, like, an in-depth motive and specific details, he says that he'd finally made up his mind and that he was, that he was going to kill Billy that night, um, or just eventually because of what was going on, and followed Billy and his girlfriend out to a make-out point. Yeah. I feel like this is the third episode we've done where somebody follows a couple that's like, like, no couples are safe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially in the 70s. So, follows them out to, uh, they're, they're, like, I think it's, like, behind, to just add insult to injury, it's, like, behind a, a cemetery. <laughs> so, it's, like, Florida Okay. Creepy. There's, like, Let's a pond. See. They park. It's, like, Lover's Point. They make out. Okay. Billy and his girlfriend there are there. Billy gets out to go pee, and he's, like, he's, like, sneaking around in the bushes behind. Ed is, like, sneaking around the bushes with a gun, and he, he retelling this story says I think he knew I was there and I could hear him like start to get like nervous zips up his pants tries to walk really quick and that's when he shot Billy and essentially he says that he shot the girlfriend Kelly because she would have been a witness yeah and um I don't know if they were both in the car I think Kelly was in shot in the car and so I don't know but like upset about Kelly but like yeah Kelly he says on three different occasions Kelly was just in the wrong place at the wrong time I'm like, oh my, you should have just got that dude alone. You could have found him at the right time. Also, you could have told the police. <laughs> also, not upset that that guy. <laughs> right. But. 
But, but also, okay. yeah. But also, like, I don't murder. I let other people take care of that kind of stuff. That's just who I am. And so when they were like, why didn't you just go to the police? His response was, I don't work like normal people do. So, I mean, like, obviously. I, yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So he says that. I'm like, well, duh. Like, But I do agree that not necessarily super sad about Millie's death. Super... I don't know. I, Just personal opinion. Yeah. But anyways, I, continue. Yeah. His girlfriend died and she was but, yeah, absolutely an innocent, that's awful 100% death. Awful. Yeah. And also, who knows if that was the real motive. Yeah. If yeah. yeah. So, okay. But his daughter did confirm later that, that it, was hap- it did happen a few times. But she never told anybody. Somehow her dad knew. Just crazy. Okay. So, he confesses to that. He thinks, okay, well, for sure, that'll get me out of, or get me back to Ohio. Um, That's where I want to die for some reason. I think that's just where his family was now. I don't know. I don't know. He just wants to die there. And um, that's when this lawyer steps in. And this lawyer has, like, been his lawyer for a ton of years now because he's been through him. So I'm pretty sure Ed and his lawyer have talked over the years about all the stuff he's done, or most of it, but Ed's been, like, not forthcoming. I think he's also kind of lied to his lawyer, but his lawyer obviously works in the criminal justice system and, like, sees through a lot of his he's bullshit. He's like, I know what you're doing. And he knows how to talk to Ed. Like, when he steps in, there's an interview of them, or, like, he meets him in the jail. They sound like two old friends. And you can tell that his lawyer comes back and is, like, not with Ed and is like, I'm this way because I need to be. That's what Ed needs me to yeah. be, and that's what I am. And they're really good at, like, bullshitting with each other. So... Very chummer, chummy, <laughs> chummer. They're very chummy. Uh, they kind of almost bicker like co-workers or something. Like yeah. two just dudes. So Ed Lawyer comes to him and is like, so I know you confessed to the murders of Billy and his girlfriend um, to get you out of Ohio. However, what you didn't know is I Ohio won't give you the death penalty for those crimes. So like... You shot yourself in the foot, but also thanks for telling about the yeah. crimes that you shouldn't have... And his lawyer basically goes on to explain that he's like, it's like outside of the statute of limitations or something. There's something about it, that specific crime, that won't get him the death penalty. Interesting. the law is freaking weird. But um, that's kind of when his lawyer reveals that he's kind of always had a sneaking suspicion about something else in Ed's life. He's like, what are you come forward about? Mm -hmm. This. That's exactly what he does. He says, um... I know that you're some way connected to Danny Boy and his death. If you would come clean about killing Danny Boy for the insurance fraud scheme that you had, um, maybe they'll give you the death penalty. And, like, that's being recorded, too. And it's so awkward. There's, like, "Ah, uh, like, you can tell. He's, like, bullshitting, but he's, like, slowly getting it out. And he's, like, telling him, I think that you had a connection to Danny Boy. And I know it was an insurance fraud scheme. And that's what I'm talking about when I said he was trying to adopt him. Adopt him. him. I know that's why he was trying to adopt him all those years ago. Yes. But instead, he got his last name. And that's essentially, eventually, they go on to explain, that's why he made him go AWOL. Um, he talked him into going AWOL. And then there's, after Danny Boy goes uh, missing, there's some recorded phone calls that uh, Ed just happened to record of mm-hmm. Danny saying, I broke into your house. Um, I broke into the house and I stole some stuff. I know you had my brother's stuff there. I broke in and I stole some money. And then nobody can get a hold of him after that. And that's it. So he said, tells 
he's like, if you confess to that one, they'll give you the death penalty. I know I can get you the death penalty if you can confess to it. And from there, it kind of becomes this back and forth game of Ed and his lawyer. And it's like all these, there's all these recordings of these phone calls going back and forth. And um, Ed saying, well, they told me the first confession would give me the death penalty and that didn't work. So I'm not confessing to this one because that just put me, now I just have two more deaths that everyone knows yeah. about. And he, he's like, no way, I'm not telling anything. Until randomly one day after all these, I think it had just gone dead for so long. And his lawyer was like, fine, you don't want to talk about it? Don't talk about it. Cool. Yeah. And Ed asks his lawyer if they if they have the body of Danny Edwards. And his lawyer's like, yeah, we have the body. And Ed is like, yeah, but you don't have the head, do you? And he's like, yeah, we have the head. And he's like, no, you don't. And if you can get me the death penalty, I'll tell you where the head is. And he's like, well, with that statement, I can get you the death penalty. So where's the head? Yeah. Yeah. So then for, there's like even more back and forth, he won't tell him where the head is. The reason that this is, is because whenever he killed Danny, people weren't finding his body fast enough for him to get the insurance money. So he started spreading the body parts around. Oh my God. And so he hid the head. Like this guy's fucked. <laughs> like I can't. I, and he's it, like, can you find him quicker? It's so dark. Here's an yeah. arm. Here's an arm. Jesus. It's so dark. So uh, with that confession, he gets Ed Edwards transferred back to Columbus, Ohio, and he's sentenced to the death penalty by lethal injection. Before his death, he picked out lobster dinner, which anytime anyone wanted to come talk to him or something or they wanted something from him, he was always like, okay, but bring me lobster dinner. So I'm sure that's why he would get people like, oh, you want to hear a great story about someone I killed? Bring me lobster dinner and I'll tell you about it. Okay. Ew. So he picks out his lobster dinner and his injection date is uh, August 31st, 2011. Um, but what with what I would like to call a hilarious form of irony, Ed Edwards died of natural causes on August 7th, 2011. Get out of here. Right before? While awaiting lethal injection. And that's literally all I wrote here. However, I am telling you, there's another killer that's talked about that's from Portland. There's there's a couple um, that is that died in, I'm gonna, I'm, I wish I would have wrote this down, but of course I listened to this after I've already written all of this. There's a couple that died and there's somebody, um, a pretty, uh, famous killer here in the Portland area Mm -hmm. who killed a couple and they're fairly certain there was, there's evidence of, of Ed being in the town, being in Portland and came home that night with a gunshot wound. Also, he would call the police all the time and tell them somebody one shot shot his house on like three different occasions he had one gun shot through his house and called the police weird and he would say all the time he said eventually in some interviews he said well it was because i was telling people i was in the fbi and i was in the cia and so i need i had to have like proof of that so i'd put like a gunshot in my house and be like oh my gosh i gotta call the police and get the feds here to like uphold his fake his fake stories. His fake oh stories. Oh, my God. So he claims that the gunshot that he has in him, the night of that couple in Portland being killed, he claims that it, it nope, I wasn't there, have nothing to do with it, but I um, had my wife shoot me that night, too. And his, I don't know that his wife ever said yes or no. Or like, what does she, she did. know behind all of this? I would love to hear her side of all these other stories. 
I don't know that there is. I don't, I've not quite yet finished the podcast. I still have two episodes to go. So there's a chance that I'm going to get there. But this is, this guy's just wild because they've, they think that he's, uh, he was a couple killer. So they, the Zodiac was a couple's killer. Yeah. Um, they actually can put him in a lot of places as the Zodiac. He also, with all those recordings that he'd had, he was using numbers and, um, like letters to kind of like, like code, code uh huh, was coding it the way that, the, similar to the Zodiac. But they also think that if he wasn't the Zodiac when he was in jail one of those times, he was, he met the Zodiac and the Zodiac, and he talks about that in one of his books. Like, this guy is the most interesting, but I hate him like there's so much to this and um there's also another guy who um super obsessed with him who was like an old cop who got so into the ed edwards he tied he tried to tie him to the john benet ramsey case oh wow um zodiac uh like three other ones like almost every unsolved or lazy peterson (laughs) what like oh and if he like this is how he's connected What's crazy is I feel bad for this this cop because the cop, like, believes it so much. The cop quit his job to continue doing, like, getting super into Ed Edwards. Like, I don't know how I've gone my whole life without realizing that who Ed... I mean, I, I listened to that um, podcast that the My Favorite Murder did. It's, like, their 100th episode or something. Mm-hmm. So it was so long ago that I... Just out of my brain. And it was a live episode, so you I feel like when you listen to the live episodes, you're like, well, this is mostly entertainment. Yeah, yeah, kidding. it's not... I remember though that that potato chip part though, where the he gets stabbed yeah, his wife over a bag of potato chips. Insanity! All of it's insanity. This guy was crazy. There's way other story. There was tons of other stories that there are like of him having sex with some wives where the dudes in bed with them. Like it's out of control. Wow. This guy lived a life, and I totally believe there's more people that he killed. But he did, he was pretty dang adamant about not killing kids, though. Like, there's a few child murders that they've tried to tie him to, and he was always, he told his daughter on multiple occasions, I don't kill kids, didn't kill kids, wouldn't kill kids. Yeah. So, I think there's a lot of adults out there that died because of him, though. So, that's why they're At always At least moving. he didn't kill kids. Yep, uh-huh. Um, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, there's that. That's my story. Um, if oh, you, oh. Yeah. If you, <laughs> that's the only sound I can think about that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's crazy. Please listen to the clearing. They did it so well. Um, I know that there's a few other, um, they have like, there's like a, uh, YouTube has like a little episode of some guy who's super into it too and apparently does it really well. And then there's like a cold case file that I haven't watched yet, but I was said I was going to watch. Or not, but, so <laughs> I'm going to watch it now because I'm real into it. However, if you are still with us and you're at the beginning where you skipped everything and you missed the part where I said, do us a favor, go rate and review us. Helps us. We love you if you do it. If you want to hear better sounds of our voices, you can donate money to the podcast. It will be helpful. We'll get new mics with all of our donations. And on that note, thanks for listening, guys. Crime Wives out.